All right, all you good, wonderful citizens of Crip Nation. Uh, we're back with another episode. It is our last episode of the year, 2022. Hell of a year. Couldn't be more thankful for it to be behind us. Um, I'm just hoping, Pizza Mind, that 2023 looks nothing like 2022. Uh, do you think that that's going to be on the table for us? Just a brand new year, fresh slate? I echo those sentiments, but I'm afraid we're probably going to have more of the same bullshit. Although, <laughs> I think Never the uh, I think the fear phase is coming to an end, and it's just going to be a lot of wait and see and be bored next. As you coined the phrase in bull markets and bear markets past, they can't scare you out, they're going to wear you out. And I think the wear you out phase is coming next. Um, and for some, that's even scarier than the scary part. So we'll yeah. see. But uh, we're well prepared, well positioned. And we're going to coach you through how to deal with the wear you out phase here in yeah. Crypt Nation and here on the Crypto 101 podcast. Yeah, time is the, what do they say? The, the great equalizer. Uh, nobody can, can be, uh, nobody could best father time. And I think that we're going to be in this accumulation pattern for the better part of, of 2023, I think maybe the lows are going to be in, but we will have uh, a lot of chop. And I, I was doing a study the other day, and I realized that 15 months prior to every halving tends to be the bottom in Bitcoin. It's ruled by these four-year cycles. And so uh, right now, we just so happen to be 15 months prior to the next halving, which will be April 2024. Um, if you look back at any chart, uh, every single bottom market bottom right for the four-year cycle has been exactly 15 months prior so um there's still been accumulation patterns beyond that um and you know at, at the end of the day you know if you if you're still here and if you're still holding and you haven't sold uh because you know for, for whatever reasons but there's been every reason in the world to sell and you haven't sold yet i would say just keep holding uh because there will be a new dawn there will be a new day we, we we've kind of seen this all happen before um but Anyhow, with that being said, we're, we're going to kind of dive into today's episode. We don't have um, a single special guest. We actually have two special guests. And this is going to be uh, a different episode. Uh, we decided to shake things up here uh, at the turn of the new year. And we're actually having uh, two of our analysts uh, behind the scenes here at Crypto 101 uh, join us today. Um, so they've been a powerful force behind a lot of the things that you guys have heard on the show. Um, and, and we're going to bring them. We're going to introduce them to you uh, before we do. Uh, you know, if you guys are interested in hearing more, you know, you guys listen to the show. You guys think that these cats sound interesting. Well, we have uh, Crypt Nation VIP. You could go to CryptoRevolution.com slash VIP where we talk markets, technical analysis, fundamental analysis day in and day out. Uh, we're doing newsletters. We're doing reports on cryptos. We're doing live uh, trading sessions. It's crazy what's going on. Uh, and Matt and Brendan are a key part uh, of all the research that we're doing here. So again, if you want to check it out, uh, CryptoRevolution.com slash VIP. Get a little bit closer to myself uh, and to Pizza Mind uh, and to the truth about crypto. So with that being said, CryptoRevolution.com slash VIP. Highly recommend it. With that being said, guys, let's dive in. Matt and Brendan, uh, Brendan Veeman, Matt Polvey, uh, welcome to the uh, Crypto 101 podcast. This will be your guys' debut. How are you feeling? Uh, you know, great. I'm I, uh, happy to be here, finally. Uh, it seems like we have spent so much time behind the scenes and, and uh, love to be able to contribute to the podcast. 
Yeah, no, it's it's gonna be fun, Brendan. You you in good shape over there? I know it was. Uh, you were almost frozen out of your house just the other day. Yeah, I was. Well, first of all, it's great to be on here. You know, I'm always in the background of these uh, kind of working to support it. So it's cool being able to be on here. But yeah, almost frozen out. It went from 30 degrees yesterday to 65 today. So we have more than doubled in temperature. We're back in the warm weather of sunny North Carolina, but it's all good times. Yeah, man. Well, I'm excited to dive in. We've got a fun episode planned. Uh, me and Pete's mind were kind of chewing on what we should talk about, and we decided to do a yearly recap. Why not? Um, because despite all of the the horrible things that happened, uh, you know, the war in Russia and Ukraine, we had crazy tensions over China and Taiwan. We had these interest rate hikes and inflation fears that were at all time highs practically. So there's been a lot of negative. I think people are pretty much worn out about that. We're going to keep that past in the past. But why don't we talk about some of the good things that happened in 2022? The things that made our industry stand out and uh, the things that, you know, back when, you know, we first started in the industry back in 2016, um, things that we actually never even thought were going to be possible. The pizza mine met the, the head of crypto at Bank of America the other day. Like, who would have thought that would have that, that sentence would have ever been constructed? You know, like that Bank of America would ever have a head of crypto. And, and now they do. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of good things. But how do you guys kind of want to start? How do you want to attack 2022 um what, what what do you guys have that uh kind of stood out to you guys i think before we jump into some of the top news stories for me 2022 was a time where i've traveled more in my life than ever before this year versus the other 39 years of my life combined and i had to be boots on the ground to really figure out the truth of what's happening in our industry and in our world without that I think I would have a much different perception of where we're at as an industry. I mm. think the world would scare me a lot more as it has at times. But when I'm afraid of something, I run headfirst into it because fear comes from a lack of understanding. Yes. And being True. able to see things for myself, talk to people who are actually living through things day by day, it gave me a level of understanding that I couldn't possibly have just being on the internet just scrolling through Twitter or reading news or listening to podcasts. It was really, really critical to go to some of these crypto conferences and meet people. And what I found was this bear market is unlike any other before in the sense that there's more interest now than ever. Every crypto conference I went to was completely sold out. The side events had two to three times the expected capacity. And the, People who were coming into these conferences were all brand new. They weren't just the same echo chamber of crypto OGs and speculative traders. These were professionals, whether they were developers, investors, traders, uh, family office managers, or very, very wealthy people just trying to figure out how to participate in this space. There was one side of it that was only like 500 people and there were no booths. It was just one conference hall of speakers and it was sold out. And there were representatives from BlackRock at this event. Tiny little thing. I mean, that's how massive our space is growing right now. I had the pleasure of going to four different continents, traveling tens of thousands of miles and realizing that there's people all across the world that have the same vision that have never met each other, but are still building opposite sides of a bridge that are one day going to connect in the middle and completely change our world. So while prices are depressed, 
development is still at an all-time high and we're in the and right while, while uh you know everybody in the whole world has a the, a bank account that is feeling the the really the stretches of the recession pizza mind is out here uh on four different continents <laughs> what bear market my bank account is mind? really depressed right now but uh <laughs> my spirit has never account. been more fulfilled after having these experiences well, good. It's good that you know you know we're able to put you out on the road and uh, have you report uh, boots on the ground. Um, so, yeah, Matt, let me let me toss it over to you. Um, you know, when I think about 2022, I, I think about a lot of things. I think about all of the the money that really poured into crypto. I think about some of the technological advances that you know we saw the Ethereum merge. I mean, there were so many uh, amazing things, but you know we also had the scars of of some. You know, some some really bad things, the collapse of FTX and stuff. But if we zoom out and we take a look at venture capital and, and money that is coming into this space, um, do you have any highlights here for for 2022 um, or any good yeah. you know statistics? You know, maybe not a hard statistic, but but I do want to to touch on what what Aaron was just talking about in the way that you know, we, we have this disparity between what you hear on the media and what you actually hear going to these conferences. And, and that's, it is important to be able to go out there and talk to people in person and, and get a feel for what they're doing, because really there is a story behind all of the venture capital coming into the space. And I think that's great to see the financial support, but really the, the, the benefit from those big players coming in with, with their vast networks and their expertise is the intellectual capital that we're getting. We're having all of these fresh faces, all of these you know new ideas coming into the space, and and really the conduit for that is through venture capital. You know, it's it's a lot of this expertise coming from the tech sector and from the dot com bubble. You know, really the the guys that made a ton of money in the late '90s and the early 2000s are the ones that are leading the charge of, of venture capital today. And that's not entirely the case. We do have a lot of fresh faces in the venture capital space as well. But a lot of them are also pulling expertise from, you know, their experiences at Google and Facebook and, you know, you name it, the, the, all the big tech companies out there. Those are the kind of people working at those companies who have the expertise to, to both understand what's going on in this space, but also bring their outside knowledge and apply a, a new framework of, of thinking, you know, to, to really analyze these these technical products and and technical innovations. So so again, you know, I, I understand your your question is largely looking at at the dollar side of things, but I think that's that's really the 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 surface level of what's going on here, and and the value is is coming from the expertise. Yeah, I, I think it's a difference between like you know qu a quantitative look at the the kind of market and a qualitative look, and uh, th through that lens, we could just see the quality of investors that are coming into the space. Um, are just continuing to to be a more refined caliber of investor, which you know that should you know make our markets more efficient. Um, the good things stick around, the bad things get weeded out because there's a a more accurate lens to look through. Um, but sure, you know, and, you know, it's not it's it, not perfect either. It, it never will be because because a lot of these people that are coming in are are bringing their old paradigms to value these new products, and it doesn't really match. It's a little bit apples to oranges. But um, but at the end of the day, it is it is valuable to have this this external support and, and validation, you know, from from uh, who we consider to be smart money for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the BNY Mellons of the world, for instance, you know, the oldest bank in in America, definitely the oldest bank in America. 
um, you know, they, they, they're, you know, on fire blocks now, like they're, you know, uh, handling custody and crypto. Uh, I thought one of the big things that happened in terms of like, you know, as we kind of knock out the venture capital side of stuff um, and the investment, uh, you know, Fidelity launched a, a crypto exchange this year with Citadel, um, which is which is huge. Right. So now you have like legit players uh, from the TradFi world that are you know, having platforms that are they're hosting platforms for for retail guys and institutions alike to trade crypto. So again, you know, despite the bear market, people are not packing things up and saying, oh, okay, well, I'll let the other guy gain market share or anything. No, people are saying, okay, markets are down. Um, a lot of people are leaving, but now's the time to to lean in. Now's the time to keep building. Um, and there's like a lot of real world crypto adoption outside of just like banking and financial stuff. There's like real utility. Um, Pete, have you seen anything on that side of the house? Just like whether it's like the NFT stuff that we're seeing with utility or, you know, what Tron's doing in the Dominica. You know, there's a ton of real life applications. Yeah. Not only is the quality of investors improving, but the quality of things being developed is improving as well. And it remains to be seen how much quality we get, but, the NFT space especially is shifting away from JPEGs and towards tokenized real world assets really, really quickly. We thought, you know, this might take, you know, 10 years or so to really gain traction. It's happening now. And I think tokenized real world assets, not to be sold necessarily, but to be used as collateral in DeFi of all things. I think that's what's really going to drive the next bull run. And we're seeing... Uh, so many other things as well, you know, people are saying, okay, we have a million currencies we don't need anymore. Payment solutions are solved. Uh, smart contracts are more or less solved. What we need is harder security and we need real solutions for, for real life applications. And the UX UI, the user experience and the user interface for a lot of these DeFi apps and crypto native apps has to improve. And we're seeing a lot of talent come in. And projects in the past literally were just run by developers. You had full stack developers that were doing everything that weren't experts in really anything, to be honest. They weren't security experts. They weren't design experts. They certainly weren't ex experts in running a profitable business. But every new company for the last you know, year or two, or maybe even more, is coming in with an experienced team with a CEO who does CEO stuff, with developers who developer stuff, with marketers who do marketing stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's going to be a huge difference for people that are trying to actually build successful businesses rather than just launch and dump a token. Oh, yeah. No, I was I was just going to highlight the other side of, of the innovation cycle that we're just starting to see now. Moving away from the financial products, uh, like you said, like payment transfers and and uh, smart contracts, the, the sort of the infrastructure side of of this industry has been addressed. We like we have compelling solutions for all these things. What we're starting to see now is is these solutions are being turned into building blocks to create other things. And you know, I've I've talked a lot internally with our team here about the the move from from those types of products into consumer facing applications that are actually assembling everything together and, and making something. Uh, that challenges the the existing you know titans of of various industries and and one that just came across my desk recently was was a company called Teleport who's who's building a 
a decentralized version of Uber and Lyft, you know, to, to really put the hands back in the power of the people, which wow. from the perspective of the users on both sides, whether they're the drivers or the riders, the biggest complaint is that Uber takes too much of a cut. There's too many fees. There's not enough support, all these kind of things. And so that's just one example of, of both a product that is using all these other tools that exist in the industry to, to really challenge the existing, you know, Titans, like I said. Um, but also the fact that, that we are moving into this place where, where we can take that peer to peer model that we have in Airbnb and Uber and, you know, you name it, uh, DoorDash, all these kind of things and really put the hands back into the power of the people, take out the middleman. That's the whole point of, of this industry in the first place. So that's, you know, I think that's what, that's what I'm most excited about when it comes to the next steps in the industry. And, and I, you know, to, to Aaron's point, uh, that I, I think we're past the point where we need the infrastructure solutions. We have them, you know, we're, we're ready to, to move into the killer app phase of, of this industry. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, and we've seen so much traditional development this year, like more so than any other year. I truly believe that if we would have seen the level of traditional adoption and involvement that we've seen this year in pretty much any other year prior in crypto, then we would have been, we would have had an army of people calling for an imminent $100,000 price on Bitcoin. But what we have is just a few unfortunate events that acted as a domino effect that has really kind of suppressed and hurt the market. If we would have gotten an announcement that crypto funding had doubled to what it is this year over 2021, or that we would have had partnerships with BNY Mellon and BlackRock and Citadel and Visa and MasterCard and these financial giants that everyone has always said, crypto will have made it once it has a partnership with X, Y, or Z. We're now at that point where some of the largest financial institutions in the world want to adopt crypto. And there's still a lot of people on the sidelines saying, well, let's wait for something bigger. Um, let's wait for mainstream adoption to happen or to, uh, for that to happen. And what we're seeing is that it's happening right in front of our eyes. Um, someone mentioned Animoca earlier. Mm -hmm. And Animoca is a traditional company as well. One of the, the giants of this like gaming space. You know, in crypto, we call that GameFi, but... The metaverse saw about $2 billion in funding this year uh, over the course of around 216 men, uh, metaverse funding deals. And Animoca actually represented 15 of those closed deals. But inside those 15 closed deals was around $564 million in funding, which means that they represented over a quarter. Animoca represented about a quarter of all metaverse funding. And so that gave them the title of the most funded metaverse developer of the year. And who was it? It wasn't a crypto company, you know, maybe unfortunately, maybe fortunately, depending on what side of the, the side you're on. But it was Animoca, a traditional brand coming in as a giant in the space with a bunch of history and a bunch of people behind them coming in and becoming the largest metaverse developer, representing nearly a quarter of all of metaverse's funding. Yeah. No, it's 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 incredible just to see the the amount of 
uh, progress we've made. And uh, I, I think just kind of backtracking on some of the things that Pete's mind was talking about, just these useful apps, um, Strike, right? I mean, Strike is this application that really hit the scene. Jack Maulers uh, launched a, a beautiful app, easy to use app uh, that converts, uh, you know, from one bank account in America or Mexico or Nigeria or whatever country you are in the world uh, to another bank account uh, in another part of the world. Right. And you could and it's using Bitcoin or it's using the lightning network to do these, uh, you know, cross border remittances. And it's not using a token. It's not using like uh, Ripple. It's just using Bitcoin in the lightning network. And you could send money uh, directly in the uh, the person's kind of like, you know, national currency. So you send it in U.S. dollars. They receive it in uh, in Mexican pesos immediately. And there's no 20 percent, uh, you know, Western Union remittance fee. There's no five day waiting period or whatever. Um, there's no you got to tell somebody exactly who you're sending. It's no, it's it's permissionless. It's borderless. It's immediate. Um, and I think it's actually not fully rolled out. I think it's in beta. Uh, but I think everybody should check it out. I think it's probably one of one of the apps of the year. Um, and yeah, so anyhow, that, that 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 to me was an app that was really a cool crypto blockchain app that wasn't really around last year. And now it kind of burst onto the scene. Um, well, great way to illustrate what yeah. Aaron was saying. You know, we, we have exactly. that solved. That's yeah, that, that problem is done. We, we can stop working on payment systems, you know, <laughs> <laughs> truly. Um, yeah, and I'm curious to see. I mean, another big thing that's been happening uh, in 2022 is Ripple, right? Ripple getting sued by the SEC um, or, you know, through their court trials and stuff. I think that should wrap up by March of next year. Um, but that's that's another one, right? Like that, that, that was a big year. Do you guys have anything to say on that? Uh, I don't know. A lot of people ask about Ripple. Well, maybe to stir the pot, I think to our point <laughs> earlier, a lot of blockchains, a lot of projects are able to accomplish what Ripple claims to be their strong suit without having to go through Ripple. And that's been kind of made evident this year. I feel like people are going to come at my throat for saying that. Uh, but there's there's a lot of other ways to do what Ripple does without having to go through Ripple. And I think there's even more decentralized ways of doing what Ripple does without having to go through Ripple. We can make... Any solution is is more decentralized in, you know? Yeah. And I think I think that's one of the things that the market is going to favor this next year, 2023, kind of like as we look forward to themes in 2023. Um, I really think that the market's going to price um, truly decentralized apps a lot more favorably than centralized apps. Like, you know, in 2022, you might think, oh, well, like FTT or BNB, or KuCoin shares, or one of these tokens is going to be a really good token, or the Nexo coin, or the Crypto.com coin, right? There's a million of these tokens that are all tied to sort of uh, the centralized exchanges. And in 2022, I think a lot of people thought uh, that that was like a really good trade. Then FTX blew up, and you know, as well as Voyager and you know Celsius and Nexo and all these things, right? Or BlockFi. Um, and so I think in 2023, people will realize actually the, the coins that are most valuable are those that are truly sufficiently decentralized, that don't have a single point of failure, that don't have uh, the possibility for you know bankruptcy lawyers to get involved. It's just code that's audited um, and put out on smart contracts that you know does what they say. And if you think about like when Alameda collapsed, 
who was the very first creditor that they repaid, right? It was the Ave contract, right? So they were, they were repaying their Ave debt in order to get back the collateral they posted. Um, they weren't paying back, certainly not customers. They weren't paying back any of their other creditors. They weren't paying back equity holders. They were paying back you know, these smart contracts. The same thing happened with Three Arrows Capital when they were going under. They were, you know, paying back the smart contracts first. Um, and so I think DeFi, you know, obviously a lot that we've talked about this year is centered around DeFi. It's going to really like take hold in 2023 because people realize it's not just a nice to have, but it's the way that everything should be built going forward so that we don't have a, um, you know, the, the centralized structures where, you know, people are, in the middle with subjective opinions and potential for tampering in databases and for you know outright fraud, um, you just can't in in uh, with smart contracts. Of course, you know people do rug pull and there's lots of like you know unaudited code that gets pushed out and scams and vaporware and all that stuff. But I'm talking about like the legit things like Ave and Compound and Maker and uh, Uniswap and like these these tokens and these projects that have billions of dollars that have been secured for multiple years um, that are audited by, you know, every firm, uh, you know, in the crypto space. And like, you know, those are, are going to be, I think, huge standouts in, in 2023 because people will realize, you know, this is going to be a huge you know piece of the, the global financial puzzle. And I'll, I'll kind of end this rant on, um, you know, Larry Fink from BlackRock said in, in, in a speech, you know, a couple of weeks ago that the future of markets will be tokenization. And what he means is that, you know, all of these securities all over the world that are on, you know, these centralized databases, they're all going to come together um, to, to, you know, sort of, you know, single sort of clearinghouse, global sort of, um, you know, settlement. They'll have instant finality when you trade. So you don't have to think, you know, 30 days to clear and settle between banks. Uh, you know, asset tokenization is going to be a real thing. And it's going to make Markets a lot more efficient, and and again, this is BlackRock. They have twenty trillion dollars of assets that that trade on their platform, and uh, they they custody like thirteen million of it. So to me, uh, or thirteen trillion. Um, so to me, like you know, having their stamp of approval uh, and them kind of saying, yeah, you know, real world assets are going to be a huge piece of the the pie. You know, that just makes me want to you know pour as much money as possible into into crypto, Ethereum, like this whole sort of uh, DeFi ecosystem as possible. But uh, yeah, I have the same yeah. sentiment. And another trend I'm seeing, uh, just to circle back to Ripple and the SEC, and uh, just the way the SEC has behaved, trying to classify everything as a security and simply usurp power over the entire crypto industry. The crypto industry has been trying to run away from that since the existence of altcoins claiming you know utility tokens or whatever even though it stifles its own capabilities and promising network effects developers seem to be sick and tired of this now and said well if we're going to get classified as securities no matter what we do let's just run straight for it and start generating revenue shares distributing voting power and really unlocking the true power of distributed networks and blockchain and creating passive income solutions so I'm seeing more and more projects now in tokenomics where all of the value is being driven to the token holders rather than equity or a company. And it's really, really aligning incentives across the board to make for better products. So if the SEC does have its way and just about every crypto is classified as security, to Bryce's point about exchange tokens, we could see these things get 
absolutely annihilated as crypto exchanges themselves go through a complete cycle of boom and bust. And these alternative trading systems or ATSs like <sighs> INX, for example, um, begin you know, rising to prominence as they start listing every token and liquidity migrates there and market makers migrate there and volume migrates over there because those are the only legal places that 99% of these tokens can actually trade. Mm -hmm. So either the SEC uh, has a huge purge itself and innovation becomes unlocked and continue on these exchanges that we know and love, or we're going to see nine out of 10 of them go away and a brand new nine and 10 show up. And going back to Bryce's point from earlier, there are, there's big players in this space that are very bullish on DeFi and decentralized protocols heading into the new year. Um, even Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, two days ago, he came out and said that if anything was going to happen in the midst of this regulation reshuffling, he thinks it should be focused on centralized exchanges and centralized crypto platforms by which he is the CEO of one of the biggest ones. So if anyone would be saying the opposite, you'd think it would be him. But he came out and basically said that, look at everything that's happened this year. The large majority of crypto platforms or companies that have gone under have all been heavily centralized and they fell apart because of centralized issues uh, that happened. And if anything, he or basically the sum of his whole point was just saying, hey guys, look at what's happened here. The decentralized protocols, they're flourishing. They're not the ones going under. It's the centralized actors. And it looks to be a pretty bullish thing for all of those decentralized protocols, whether that is exchanges or the MakerDAO or Uniswap or whatever it is, the decentralized protocols are looking good. There's big players that are supporting it, even big players in the centralized exchange space saying that decentralized players and decentralized exchanges should be the ones flourishing and they shouldn't be the ones that get hard or like harshly regulated here. Uh, so I see that as a positive thing. I see it as confirmation and support, even from some of the largest players. You can even say that, that maybe they're competitors, right? Because decentralized exchanges and centralized exchanges are arguably fighting for volume and fighting for usage in one way or another. But here we are having the leader of one of the most significant U.S. centralized exchanges saying, let's make sure that we don't hurt DeFi through this regulation process because they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. You know, I think I think maybe to, to tie up this point before we move on, one one thing that I wanted to touch on is is the trend that we saw over the last year and and largely the reason that that we had so much fallout from these centralized exchanges is because the average user did come in this year and they were uncomfortable navigating metamask wallets and smart contracts and defi platforms and so what we saw is is a huge appetite to participate but not an aptitude to participate and so those people ended up on these centralized exchanges because that was their option and so looking forward and, and maybe extrapolating that, really what I think we need for the industry to move forward is the, the continued or, or maybe intense uh, innovation in the UI UX space, you know, the, the user interface. We need the industry to be more approachable for the average person before we'll see uh, DeFi gaining mass adoption. 
And, and so it is a little bit of a, you know, cart coming before the horse in a way is, is we have all this innovation in the DeFi sector, but there's still this, this gatekeeping, uh, whether, you know, obviously it's not intentional. It's just, that's, that's where we're at right now. Uh, and, and so I would really love to see a lot of innovation during this build market, we'll call it, uh, spent on, on improving the, the on-ramps and, and the education, you know, that's w- w- all four of us are, are in the education space here. And, and that's one of the most common questions I think we see is, is how do you navigate this? How do you use a wallet? How do you use Uniswap? Um, and mm-hmm. so lowering that barrier to entry is, is going to be a huge catalyst. And I don't think that's solved yet. Well, yeah, speaking of Uniswap and uh, solving barriers to entries, literally just this week, they launched credit card directly from, you know, yeah. credit card to crypto on Uniswap. So huge step. That's a big, huge deal. step. I think that's huge. Exactly. So, yeah, anybody who uses uh, Uniswap or who wants to just avoid, um, you know, centralized exchanges in general, you could buy crypto directly through Uniswap. I mean, to me, that's a, a huge, huge breakthrough. And it's where I think, you know, I'm going to, you know, ask uh, a lot of my viewers to, to go, right? Like, you know, go to Uniswap, you know, it's, it's a, it's an awesome platform and you could buy it directly with your credit card. You don't need to trust Coinbase. You don't even need to trust Uniswap. Um, kind of need to trust that Ethereum is still going to be around, uh, tomorrow, right? Which I do. Uh, a lot of Bitcoin maxis think Ethereum is just going to go belly up. Um, you know, Uniswap's built on Ethereum. Uh, but if you believe in Ethereum, you believe in Uniswap? That's a great venue. Um, it's a great thing to you know to kind of wrap up the year. Uh, you know to see that kind of thing. Um, we also had obviously um, you know we're we're wrapping up the year with some additional Binance FUD. Uh, I they were like every year it's either Tether FUD. This year there was a lot of FTX FUD. That true uh, that proved out to be quite true. And people are trying to stick the same FUD on top of Binance. It had like ten billion dollars of uh, withdrawals over the course of a day last week, and you know, but, uh, CZ is going on CNBC talking about potentially having to pay back, you know, FTX's bankruptcy lawyers because they got bought out by stolen money, and there's a bunch of crazy shit going on. So I don't know what's going to happen there, um, but again, it's just to the same point of like you don't really want to be trusting uh, a lot of these centralized exchanges with your money. Um, might as well use a wallet like Ledger or MetaMask, um, Uniswap. I think that's I think that's a you know a really really key takeaway from 2022 is like trust then verify. Yeah, and I hate to use this <clears throat> phrase um, because of its ominous uh, connections, but this is kind of a great reset time in crypto. And where we're at in the market cycle. It's a great time to do a portfolio rebalancing, reconsider your risk, reconsider your risk appetite, your investment thesis, because there's some great coins out there that are over 90% off. Things like the graph, for example. The graph is essentially going to be Google for blockchains. And it's like 97% down from its previous all-time high. Why would you not go into something like the graph or maker or some other like really strong fundamental project with a ton of development and instead take a risk on some ICO that's allowing retail to participate for some sketchy reason. Um, So I think it's a really good time to to reevaluate, you know, look at the coins, how they performed in the past, you know, bull market that you're stuck with 
um, and ask yourself, you know, what are they doing to be one of the top 10 or 20 fastest horses in this next bull run? If they're not showing any kind of that promise right now, maybe it's time to cut them. If you can, where your region is, you know, do some tax loss harvesting over the next week um, and buy some better horses going back in. And there's no rush to buy back in because we're going to have the entire year to do some research and calculate and discuss and build a better portfolio than what we had last time. And that's the idea for every market cycle is to get better and better and better and consolidate more blue chips. Right now, I would recommend just focus on survival. Don't worry about the moonshots. Don't worry about a thousand X. Next year is not the time to make money. Next year is the time to make better choices. So when it's go time, you have a nice stack of cash to sit on that you can deploy intelligently. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I mean, lots of different ways to skin the cat. I'm going to try to make some money next year. I don't know about you guys. Uh, Well, if you want to make money with us, you should join our altcoin alert service because we're going to be talking about how to trade this sideways choppy market. Uh, Just earlier this week, I showed people how to do hedged margin trades legally as Americans. So um, if you are interested in stuff like that, come on and join us at Altcoin Alert. AltcoinAlert.com slash discount, I believe, is still live. Yes, still live. Still live link. Love it. Nice plug there at the end, Pete. Love that. Uh, Well, boys, uh, what do we have to look forward to in 2023? I know here at Crypto 101, we're going to have a million more uh, killer guests and we're going to have just a ton of fun. Uh, but what are you guys you know, kind of looking out for in 2023 uh, besides more institutional adoption, more applications? Are there any sectors? Matt, I know you've been doing a big, big push in research into AI. Uh, is there anything? How much time do we want to? Can you give us a, a one or two minute wrap up here on, on artificial intelligence and crypto? Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm really at, I'm, I'm five steps into the rabbit hole. And so there's, there is a lot more to learn. Uh, and, and the industry itself is, is still in its infancy. You know, I, I've been playing around with things like chat GPT, which has, has, uh, probably been on, uh, on everyone's feed lately, whether, whether intentional or whether you're looking for it or not. Um, but, but really the implications of it are vast and I'm excited to see, you know, that's, that's a great segue into looking into 2023 is I'm excited to see the full, launch of some of those types of platforms um really the implications there are are almost endless like you can consider some of these ai as they become you know more powerful and they're fed with da- with data regularly rather than just you know up to a certain point uh w- we will see this proliferation of these tools that become like personal assistants with a dozen phds you know they can do everything from uh explain a topic to you like you're a 5 year old to you know, you tell them what you want to see out of your website and they'll design a website for you in code. Or, you know, one of the cool things I saw recently, uh, as someone who uses TradingView a lot, uh, TradingView has, has the ability to add your own indicator. And so you can go into ChatGPT now and say, write me a PineScript uh, strategy that, you know, uses RSI and no uses way. moving average crossovers, uses Bollinger Bands, backtest it for, for 500 periods and give me a buy sell indicator on the chart. All, you can spell that out in the platform. It'll spit out the code. You put it in and, and you have a trading strategy that you spent all of you know 10 minutes making rather than programming it yourself and doing all the backtesting yourself. And so that if that's the tip of the iceberg, I 
I can only like I, I get goosebumps thinking about it. You know, we're we're really on the cusp of something great here. And, and I'm really excited to see how this affects the industry in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, the, the experimentation and the innovation that's going to come out of artificial intelligence is going to be freaking crazy. And I'm so stoked on it. Uh, and there's a lot of cool cryptos that are, you know, kind of open sourcing, um, you know, open source kind of fundraising for, for artificial intelligence and like a lot of the data is, um, you know, open source that people could leverage and build their own applications on. So it's kind of like getting the hands out of uh, the hands of Google or getting the data out of the hands of Google and making it more of an open, you know, I think you know, literally chat GPT was created by open AI. So, you know, that in and of itself tells you about the ethos of what a lot of these scientists are thinking about moving forward. It's It's much more important to have, you know, really powerful, you know, data and AI engines, but that are not centralized, that are decentralized, like ownership and control over these and access to them is not, um, you know, kind of controlled by one evil genius. Um, and so I think crypto is a way to democratize access to it and, and keep AI safer um, and more ethical over the long term. So I'm excited, man, to see what kind of research uh, that you kind of dump onto our plate here. Uh, and what kind of gems that we can discover uh, in AI, especially for subscribers, uh, you know, Crypt Nation VIP. You can go, go to CryptoRevolution.com slash VIP and, uh, you know, keep up to date with all the portfolios that we're putting out and all the all the trade analysis and alerts um, and all the amazing things that uh, these gentlemen are putting together for you guys. So with that being said, I mean, that's wait, the wait, 2020 wrap-up. Oh, we got... Oh, Super Before pro, we go, Super Producer Tivo, Super Producer Tivo, is that That's you? That's right. Yep, curveball. Uh, I need a Bitcoin Man, price prediction from each person on our panel that will go into the vault. <laughs> oh we'll no! Vault. Don't do it to us. December thirty first, or this is what is it? The thirtieth, maybe when this comes out. Okay. Um, we need a price prediction, just a number. I don't need reasons. I don't need breakdowns. End of the show. I need a number. I'll be keeping it, and you'll be sure that you'll be hearing from me in about <laughs> you five have days. A strongly worded letter. <laughs> from yeah. from now on. No, you'll have a, you'll have a fun edited clip. Hopefully, you're right. My so guess is I'll, price- so I'll go first. I'll go first. Thirty three. Okay. Double threes is my lucky number. Thirty three. Okay, I like it. I like thirty three thousand. I'm going thirty six thousand. Uh, and I do think that, you know, there's a nice strong volume point of control right there. Uh, the market likes 36 K spent a lot of time there. Uh, 33 is a good bet too. Um, so we'll see. Are, are we playing, are we playing prices, right? Rules. I'll, I'll take I was thinking that I was thinking that. Yeah, we, <laughs> what is, I don't know. I don't watch the show. What is that? You can't go over uh, closest yeah, price. Closest, without going, closest over. going over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, go ahead. I'll, I'll take last place. All in twenty nine. Twenty nine dollars. Uh, I'm going to go with thirty three thousand. I think <laughs> we're going to see a very slow uptick just due to all the sideline cash right now that wants to get in. So even though we talk about sideways accumulation, I still think it's going to very slowly tick up and to the right because you have what an eight hundred billion dollar market right now and trillions sitting on the sideline trying to get in. Also, it's worth mentioning. There's a ton of hedge funds that didn't dump at the top last time that are still holding their bags. The amount available to accumulate in a lot of these top caps is a fraction of what it usually would be in a bear market. Well, I guess I'll take the bull case. I'll, I'll take 37. 
Oh, God, uh, great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I, I think you the know, positive... No, go ahead. Sorry, Matt. I, I'm tempted to say 20, but it's, it's hard to say where we'll be in a year. I think I, I think we're going to be, you know, at that point, we're going to be months away from the having. There's no way we'll, we'll still be in the teens. So I'll, uh, I'll take the bull case here. Well, interesting. As a team, we're all within 8 to 29 to 30 37. 29 to 37. That's our range. That's the Crypto 101 range. podcast range. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, we'll see you in the new year. I hope everybody has a happy holiday. Stay safe. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining, and we'll uh, we'll see you guys in the new year. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.